Welcome back to the Unanimous Decision Podcast. I'm your host, D-Palm. Follow me on Twitter at D-Palm66. Follow the show on Twitter at U-T-Pod. Follow the entire MTR network at, you guess it, the MTR network. You found us. Don't lose a subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Spotify. Subscribe everywhere you get your podcasts for free 99. Okay, so I know Threads is dead. I know Threads arrived. They bunch of press releases that it died. Like, if you have a blue sky, I'm there too, technically. Like, Deep Palm 66 there too. It's not going in the preamble. It's too, It's been years now. 250 episodes. I'm not changing that. But I will let you know that it exists, at least this one time that I'm thinking about it right now. Welcome back. You're in the midst of an unannounced surprise podcast week because I'm an idiot. It's a gimmick I love that no one else cares about. But you're here on day two. Day one, you got to catch up with me and Susan, hear about life, hear about the world, talk about some fun things in sports. But the next four days are going to be focused, my friends. Today, I've got to tell you, SEC media days are behind us, which is, a, for me, kind of my mental, okay, here comes football. Since they're behind us, it's time to talk about football. However, if you're going to talk about college football these days, you have to talk about the team that I love. The team that for a website I used to work for for years alongside our guest today, we've got Chad Floyd, vintage Georgia Bulldog fan, a Georgia alumni, and someone with whom we have to navigate these new worlds of Georgia fandom. Chad, how's it going? I'm going to start you off with a hot take that's going to frame the rest of the discussion. Uh, about the Georgia Bulldogs. You ready? I, I'm literally baited breath. All right. Um, Georgia won the national championship last year famously. Uh, Is it fact? They won it in a rebuilding years. year. They won it in again? a rebuilding year. Oh, my. Okay. So you're stepping. First of all, I don't do pre-show. Chad's just my friend. We look at a lot of things the same. You stepped on a lot of the back end of this Georgia podcast, but you're not wrong. We're going to talk about that in a second. I have a question for you, my friend. And this is real. Like, this is not Chad and Deep Palm on the podcast. This is Chad and Daniel, former roommates, actual friends. How do I explain these last two years to my son? I think uh, given your history with Steve Spurrier, given your history with uh, the Rick era, going back prior to that, I think you need to basically – indoctrinate him with Georgia pain. Um, same thing if he's going to be a Braves fan, you know, just indoctrinate him with all of the ways they have failed us. And then as he's coming into his formative years, I'm going to let you kind of be the judge on that one. Say, hey, actually, we're pretty fucking good. It's it's horrifying. Like, I hadn't thought about this until we were like, we were finishing up the nursery and all that fun stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, I realized that when he arrives, I'll be, like, kicking off what's going to be the third of three straight national titles. Well, and here's the problem, though, is you, you look at it and think of our mutual friends that are Alabama fans. Think of how un insufferable they were after, like, their second national championship. You know, they, they, weren't, they weren't so bad probably after one. You know, they had a little Mike Shula humility and maybe a little uh, – Old, what's his name? Mike Price getting caught at the strip club. Uh, uh, man, you know, the, Alabama the, the best struck. of times. But the best by the time times. they won that second national championship, you couldn't talk to him about college football anymore. There, there, there was not, there was nothing left because you know they're getting pissed off if they don't cover a twenty-four point spread against South Carolina. Meanwhile, which I mean, you know, it's 
spreads against South Carolina. Let's let's not get into get into that for Georgia's purposes. But um, yeah, man, you you you've got a tough road to hoe because he he's just gonna walk in just born on third base. I. And because, okay, so for those of you who are new listeners, every podcast is someone's first podcast. Chad and I used to work at a website called Dude You Crazy. We had a lot of fun. We recorded a bunch of podcasts. We did a bunch of writing. Uh, we wound up on ESPN one time uh, during the draft, which, get me, <laughs> buy me in public, buy me a beer, ask about the story. I will happily tell you. Um, but for our lifetimes, as Chad alluded to, Georgia football was, if not a joke or laughing stock, was a, a runner-up situation, was a runner-up program, was a program that would flirt with greatness but never quite break through. The last two it, years... It, it was it was the dude in the podium on that meme spraying the champagne and then it turns out he's in third place. But the thing is, we were always, like, I, 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 feel, I find myself, like, wanting... I look back with rose-colored glasses because even when... Like you had all that talent, you had the brick era. Like there were years where like they were right at the cusp, right at the corner, or they 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 throw it short in an SC title game. And so like they were always like in the conversation, particularly like post our college experiences. I'm older than you, but you know what I mean. Um, sure. like now, like I can't. Our our trepidation, our unwillingness to accept this is not like faux humility. It's not us. Um. Um, trying to soften the blow. It's legitimate confusion. We don't know what to do with our hands. And the last time you joined us in the Georgia beat, University of Georgia was beating TCU by the largest margin in bowl history. Not in national title game history, not in playoff history. Since they started selling tickets for, for bowl games, that was the largest margin. And so my question, when I say, what do I tell my son? Like, I feel like one of those, like, right-wing idiots who are like, how do I explain this to my kids? That's how I feel about successful Georgia. I don't know what to do. My identity has been shaken. Chad, give me, like, a modicum of guidance. I know you're saying, hey, let him know, like, hit, hit him with some ESPN Classic until, like, he's, like, 9 or 10, and then be like, by the way, we haven't lost in seven years. I think that's a good idea, but like, I look at this roster and I look at the schedule and what you said at the top of this thing rings true. Last year was supposed to be the rebuilding year. That was the year to get Georgia. And Chad, I have to remind the world, it ended in the largest bowl margin in history. I, in you, history. you and I did 200 episodes of Doogie Podcast. Have I ever been the cocky Georgia fan? No, nah, I'm I'm a little bit uh, taken aback right here. I thought we were going to be into how Georgia was going to lose at Auburn in week five by now. Chad? And I get don't – the schedule? I, I, That's a, a very real possibility. Boy, here we go. That's um, a very real possibility. Yeah. So like, let's talk about the I, team. Let's talk about the squad. Let's talk about what comes back from that team. Because what comes back from that team – there's a lot of answers and not very many questions. We'll start on the offensive side of the ball where the biggest change is going to be. I am free at last from Stetson Bennett the fourth. Holy shit. It's been 12 years, but I'm done with it. it it's crazy that he picks up a Georgia pension as soon as he graduates. Well, I mean. 
You know what? I I mean, you you and I were always on the team JT Daniels or you yes. know anybody but Seth and JT Daniels yes. famously now at his fourth school. I, um, I didn't know he was still in college. Yeah, he's he's playing for Rice this year. But I mean, the dude was kind of freaking it last year. I mean, you know, I mean, he was just nailed. There, there weren't well, really, you know, any of those kind of WCF I had with Stet, like, there's something to be said for that confidence and how it can elevate a talent, particularly at the college level. He was fantastic. But guess what? We're fucking free. I ain't got to be worried on Saturdays anymore, except I totally do. Because the two guys competing for the job aren't even like the names are odious, Chad. Carson Beck and Brock Vandergriff sound like guys I want to hit in the face. <laughs> well, then you also have Gunnar Stockton uh, in there. Oh. So, I mean, we're, we're really in, in the names of, you know, guys who I'm surprised they, like Carson's not spelled with a Y somehow. Ah. Um, but, okay, you know my trepidation? I, I actually went and picked up a Phil Steele today just to kind of refresh uh, my priors. You know who else is listed in that quarterback room? A walk-on. Who? One Jackson Muschamp. Oh, um, famously, Christ. Famously, uh, his father is the defensive coordinator, and famously, uh, Georgia tends to make, let's call it, um, you could say irrational, you could say incorrect, you could say, hey, ultimately it worked out because you have an NFL roster at the other 21 positions. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just going to put it out to the universe so it doesn't happen. I'm moving on from the quarterback position to talk about all the strengths. We're returning four <laughs> players in the offensive line with starting experience. The outside looks great. You got Brock Bowers, the best tight end in the country since he probably arrived in college. Also, Lad McConkey, because it's a Georgia edict. Every route that's run has to have at least two white men in it at all times. I didn't write the laws. Kirby Smart just follows them. But they also went to the transfer portal this year and got the leading receivers from the Mississippi State Bulldogs and the Missouri Tigers, Robert Thomas, and I think it's Dominic Lovett. And so, like, between that, the fact that this place is turning into tailback you, and the fact that Brock Bowers is going to be good if you or I were under center, I can't believe how calm I feel about this offense. Yeah, love is the truth, man. Um, and then Arian Smith is apparently healthy for the first time and possibly ever. Um, and he, he's like a he's like a four three guy, and you have a quarterback that can take advantage of a four three guy just running a go route. So you know that could be another element that they add to the arsenal. Um, and while I'm going to miss big number zero, uh, Oscar Delp oh. is another tight end who is just an absolute freak. Six five two twenty five. Uh, played a little bit last year, but um, yeah, I mean they're just absolutely loaded. Can I ask a serious I mean, question? Robert, Thomas, I don't even know anything about. Do what? Can I ask you a question? Sure. Does no one else recruit tight ends, or do they just all decide that Georgia's where they wanted to be? Like, what's happening here? Like, big number zero, the fact that he was the other guy is horrifying. I think you just put on tape and say, hey, um, A, we're going to choose quarterbacks that cannot throw the ball outside the hashes. So, you know, that leaves you as option one. B, watch this dude. You know, we're, we're going to run in around, end arounds to our tight ends. Um, we're going to run bubble screens for our tight ends. And, yeah, if you're 
And then, oh, yeah, our downfield blocking is going to be absolutely insane because our receivers don't really do much else. Our offensive line is – I mean, Andrew Thomas just got paid today, $117 million, oh I thought. Oh, my God, so um, much money. worth every dime. Yeah, so those guys want to get some film of blocking downfield. So, yeah, uh, come to tight end university, and, you know, we will make you a legitimate, like, dark horse Heisman contender at tight end. Insanity. Pretty easy because when we talk about that last year was supposed to be rebuilding year, you say, look at the offense and say, I don't really think so. Defensively was supposed to be the rebuilding year, and they put more guys in the first round. So now you've got guys who are starting up front with them, Stackhouse, uh, Brinson, they're gonna, they're all back, like, the DBs. I think we're youngest at linebacker. When you're talking about Peach Bowl National Championship MVP, uh, Bullard, like it. This is it's a embarrassment of riches. Yeah, and linebacker, I'm I'm kind of least worried about because I mean Dumas jo- Johnson and Munden are the inside guys, and they were both starters last year. Um, you know, Munden's not Nakobe Dean just in his ability to teleport all over the field, but. I mean, he had eight tackles for loss. He's just a friggin' dude. And then, you know, on the outside, you've got Michael Williams, who I think might be the best natural pass rusher that Kirby's had at Georgia. Which is such a sentence. Well, I mean, if I have one complaint, you can't really have a complaint about the Georgia defense, but they do not bring the quarterback down very often. No, they're too no, they're too busy baiting them into mistakes. Which is I think, honestly a lot more fun. I mean, I, I think, it, I like I think part of it is that their reputation precedes them. And so quarterbacks are coming in with a game plan of three-step drops and and rhythm throws. They're not coming back with, let's see what opens up downfield. So I think I, – I agree with you. The number is lower than you think it would be considering the prolific nature of the defense. But I think when you see schematically how it affects other teams, it kind of makes sense there too. Um, and famous, famously, I, I also went to UNC and I follow UNC football. It is amazing to like the con, the land of contrast I live in to watch, you know, a quarterback who's in that three step drop and he, he, he knows his outlet is his running back, dumps it off to the running back and, you know, still ends up losing two, four, five yards. Whereas UNC dumps it off to the running back, that thing's going to the house. <laughs> So, I mean, it, it, it's amazing the athleticism, it's amazing the discipline, and it's amazing just how fucking good, like, 1 through 11 and then 12 through 22 they are. Like, I mean, my, my favorite thing, my favorite memory from last year, other than, you know, like, the first quarter of the national championship game, because that was just more shot and prodded than anything else, is, is uh, the South Carolina game, second game of the season, Kirby Smart is absolutely on everybody's ass while the third team is in there and giving up a late touchdown to kill the shutout. I mean, like, everybody on that roster just seems to be, you know, and I I hate doing, like, the whole culture thing, but they are all invested in not just beating you, but pummeling you and embarrassing you, and I love that. So much fun to watch. And the other other half of that is they're also invested in – and celebrating each other's wins. Like one of the things I loved about the Nicobe Neen defense was when things went right, that place, that entire side of the ball got hyped. It wasn't like one position group, wasn't like one or two guys. It was everyone going nuts for each other. And they know they bought in. And again, going back to the culture thing that we don't want to say, what we kind of have to say, they know that when one succeeds, we're all going to succeed. Everybody gets to shine. And 
The other half of that is now, if you come to Georgia and you start on defense, you're going to get paid a lot of money to play football in the future. And that is as big a motivator as anything else. And so, hey, God bless this Georgia football team. Before we move off Georgia, do you want to do the schedule thing real quick? Um, I mean, there are maybe three games that just give me a little bit of pause to where I'm like, okay, that they could keep it within 20. Well, let's see what those three games are. Because first, we're at home versus UT Martin in September. Second, that's a win. Ball State the next week at home. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to take that as a win. South Carolina game at home. It's not a gimme, but it's a win, right? South Carolina lost everything on both lines. But, um, yeah, I mean, that's – so, I mean, basically, they're, they're going to beat UNC in week one, and then they're going to finish three and not. Excellent. UAB, which is really funny because now we get to actually beat Trent Dilfer in person. Oh, that's I, – I didn't even realize it was UAB. I just, I just scrolled through the non-conference. <laughs> it's – oh, it's Trent Dilfer coming to Athens. After all the shit he's talked about big schools. Like, I – oh, get him, Kirby. I do not like Trent Dilfer. Uh, next – Yeah, I'm, I, I, I'm, ho- I'm hoping there's a situation in which uh, Georgia wins by 77 points and then uh, two guys quit UAB's team and show up uh, with a nice little NIL deal at Georgia in the spring. God bless them. Uh, so September 30th, Chad, at Auburn, super early for the Auburn game in recent years. Like, how do you feel about having a September Auburn game? Well, they complained to the SEC that their November was too hard, so that's why the Georgia game got moved up. That's not true, is it? Um, that That is absolutely true, because they were closing with Georgia and Alabama every year. That's, that's why they – so, like, Auburn's weird. And going to Auburn's always weird. It's probably going to be a night game. It's going to be super weird. But, like, the weirdness in Auburn, Alabama, happens in November. Yeah, I mean, November Auburn is definitely a thing. Um, I think Hugh Freeze can channel some Auburn chaos magic that, uh, you know, famously does tend to exist. But also, I mean, it's fucking Hugh Freeze. And it's a shell of a roster like get get back to me in 2025 on that one the Hugh Freeze getting fired clock has started just let's 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 just announce that to the world oh yeah yeah he is uh still very famously you know not allowed to be online but still very online he is going to do something on his work phone again and I am cannot wait uh next up Home versus Kentucky. Say what you about Kentucky football, but the last couple of years, all they do is run hard, play good defense, and win like nine games. So not a gimme, but probably a win. Headed to Vanderbilt, which I'm sorry, Vanderbilt. Then Jacksonville versus Florida. Florida's down for the last <laughs> – it's still funny. Um, so they're probably going to lose that game. Home versus Mizzou, whatever. Home versus Ole Miss, whatever. At Tennessee, let's get dangerous. Ole Miss was the only other one that I had just even slightly earmarked because I think Lane Kiffin kind of has that uh, chaos Auburn energy. But, you know, at the end of the day, that won't be a huge problem. Uh, Tennessee, I'm not scared of I Lane Kiffin I don't in like November. It. I'm not scared of Lane Kiffin in November. Okay, if Mississippi and Auburn were switched, that would make the schedule harder is what you're saying. That would have horrified me. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because <laughs> like um, I don't want I don't want Feisty Lane who's still feeling himself. Like the end of an SEC West run lane, like he's gonna be like mentally checked out. Yeah, I d I don't like Tennessee on a SEC SoCon challenge weekend. Chad. Um I, hate, I mean I hate that that strikes me as a game that hold on, looks at Tennessee's SEC schedule. Who else do they get from the West? They get A and M and Bama. I mean, if Tennessee can pull it off against Bama again, that could be an SEC East title game. They pull it off against As, Bama again and they fire Saban. If they pull it off against Bama, it's because they don't have a quarterback. They brought in, like, Notre Dame's backup, who Notre Dame's offensive coordinator, who's now at Alabama, recruited over with uh, Sam Hartman from Wake. So if he didn't believe that in and while he's at Notre Dame, I can't imagine that speaks too well of the Notre Dame or the Alabama quarterback room. Yeah, but also like saying. if I take a if I take a pretty good guy at Notre Dame and stick around that Bama talent, everyone looks better. Mm, I mean, it, you would have to define pretty good at Notre Dame because that guy can't. That's stop. also very fair. And last but not least, they close the schedule out. At, with a home game in Atlanta, it's on Tech's campus, but come on, guys. You know what it is. They're playing Tech. Did you see fucking what's-his-face, uh, uh, David Key or Britt Key from Tech? What did he say? Like, all the Georgia talk was annoying or something? Yeah, and then he has to change it. I'm like, first of all, didn't know you were the head coach, bro. Welcome aboard. Second of all, didn't know Tech still had filled in a team, thought they went intramural. Cute to see. Third of all, have you tried winning? And you can't win. Not at that school against this kind of talent because, quite frankly, your standards are too high for academics. Like, this isn't a school that's going to win in football ever, ever. And they've got to nibble at the margins. The best they did was the triple option years, and they got sick of that 8-11 to 11 win team. So here we are. Brent Key couldn't pick him out of a lineup. But guess what? He'll be employed long enough to lose to Georgia a bunch more times. Now, before we move on, like, out of, like, college football in general – I want to talk to you about other college football news, but I have to address the elephant in the room. There has been death, there's been injury, and there's been a rash of Georgia speeding tickets. It got brought up at media day. I thought Coach Smart handled it super poorly the way he addressed it. But, Chad, and I, I submit to you the young men are dumb theory of it all. And that's that young men are dumb. Young men are very, very, very stupid. And especially when young men have, I mean, really for the first time above board access to, you know, more financial resources than they were previously afforded, which is a good thing. Great thing. Um, you know, they tend to buy fast cars and then do dumb things with fast cars because, you know, why have a show horse if you're, I mean, if you're just going to trot around a field in it. So it is very bad. Uh, I mean, that Athens loop, it was always kind of like a speedway. Right. And, man, I mean, that plus the combination of the uh, Athens Police Department plus, you know, very gifted, uh, touted athletes with, access to money, some some of them for the first time in their lives. I mean, it's a bad combination. And, I mean, one can just hope that, you know, there's maybe some team rules that uh, get instituted that hopefully would 
dissuade them from uh, continuing to drive there, like idiots. There was there was some talk in media days, and I was more impressed with the players than the coaches, honestly, about uh, holding each other accountable and that kind of thing. I just wanted to make it super clear that, like, yes, this is a problem, especially when you start winning. Like, this is something that rears its head. Um, this is a problem on a lot of teams in the spotlights on Georgia because it's Georgia and because someone died. So it should be on Georgia. And um, you and I have joked about kind of the control that Smart had instituted over the Athens Clark County Police Department. But um, if a crackdown needs to happen, crack it down on them. And like, it's bigger than football. Like kids are dying. Like this isn't, I don't know. And it's, it's one of those things where I try to explain to people the same attitude that got a kid to the top of his sport is the attitude that says, I won't be hurt when I do something wrong. Well, there's, there's two things here. Um, one, you know, the first kind of thing that Kirby did when he took the Georgia job was got the FOIA laws uh, changed to where there's like a 90-day grace period instead of 30-day. Yeah. Um, that's a bad look just as it, you know, rears its ugly head here eight years later. And, you know, the second thing is unless Kirby is in a locker room giving a pregame speech, which those are freaking great to listen to if you're about to go into a workout or something, <laughs> um, Kirby is not a good extemporaneous speaker. Um, you know, you, you, you talk about his reaction to, you know, some of the harder hitting questions at Media Days. I look at his response just to criticism of, of Georgia's schedule and he just says, play it. I mean, he, he's just not a good speaker and he's going to rub people the wrong way. I mean, I, I have faith that given his background as a longtime Nick Saban assistant, that he's probably got his hands in everything and he's about as pissed off about the traffic situation as it is um, as anybody. And he is working to address that internally, but man, don't have him talk about it because he's just going to end up with egg on his face. I actually liked his response to the federal question. Come play it was actually a closeted invitation for kids to transfer in. NIL money's here, guys. Come on in. We got those kids from uh, Mizzou, Mississippi State this year. You go watch how many balls they catch. The numbers will be down, but their numbers will matter here. And, like, that's the, that velocity was sending. Um, let's get off of Georgia for a second. Let's stay in SEC Media Day. They asked Jimbo Fisher about Bob Petrino calling plays. And, like, you and I joked about this last year, that he surrounded himself with just a den of snakes. But – like DJ Durkin's on this staff. Like a lot of shit heels on this staff. But Steve Adazio is on the staff. Oh God. But for a man Steve Adazio who Good. Steve Adazio who got the Colorado State job because the school president just asked Urban Meyer who who he should hire. So you know, you, you got some uh, Urban Meyer in there, you've got DJ Durkin who killed a kid at practice in there, you've got Bobby Motorcycle Petrino, and you got uh, Jimbo Fisher. It's just an absolute ragtag bunch. I would 100% watch a reality show on it. Oh. Um, they are probably moments away from getting – I mean, let's see here. So, Les Miles was mostly at the center of the Title IX investigation at LSU, right? Yeah. Like bring him in as a consultant. 
I mean, let, let's just make the weirdest. Let's get Coach place. O, Coach O in charge of player personnel. Yep, let, let's make the weirdest place in America the weirdest, most grading individuals as a coaching staff in America, and just see what happens. I mean, like his non his non answers about will uh, Bobby be calling plays? What the hell? Like the other question is when you think about these two men. What are they good at, would you say? Bobby Petrino's biggest accomplishment was having Lamar Jackson and playing Syracuse. Those are things that are going to win for you. I'm sorry. That's an NFL MVP, and they're Syracuse. He he did he got a lot, he gets a lot of credit for not fucking that up. Meanwhile, Jimbo Fisher, I mean, he got Christian Ponder paid, which is a huge that's a win. And he got, he got and, EJ he, Manuel paid. He got EJ paid, which is a magic trick. And he probably underperformed with Jameis, right? Like that's that's the big three things that he's done. So neither one of these men has done anything of note in the last call it seven years. Yeah, it is very much a playbook of this would be. I mean, if we just went in a time machine ten years ago, we said, man, we got those two geniuses together because at that time, I mean, Petrino had Arkansas in the Cotton Bowl um, with. Geez, I, I can't even remember the court. Casey Dick, I think. Yep. So, like, I mean, Petrino definitely had a run where, you know, he was one of the top offensive minds. But when he came back to Louisville, yeah, Lamar Jackson definitely uh, does not hurt him. So, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a train wreck in some way, shape, or form. I could see a situation where maybe Jimbo does let him call plays and they get some good early returns against the easy part of their schedule. And then as soon as anything goes remotely wrong, uh, Jimbo wrestles back uh, play calling control. And then you notice all of a sudden, oh, why? They, they, they scored six points against Arkansas. That was weird. <laughs> I, I like you joked, but I really would love to just have the, the closer security cameras from that, from the facility. Like, I just need to know like who actually brings a knife to work. What's happening here. Um, speaking of other underwhelming SEC teams, Tennessee. I they thought that was going to be your transition. Jeremy Pruitt <laughs> was giving families money in like $300 increments in fast food bags, which I assume is like the single serving biscuit from Chick-fil-A. Like 300 bucks, you could fit that. You could just hand that to someone. You don't need like a at, it's an attache case for like 40 bucks. Like I don't know what he's doing here. And Tennessee also, I guess they've been kind of anticipating this. They opened their books all the way. They were no strict or overwhelming scholarship bans applied because they'd already been kind of anticipating this. The one thing Tennessee did do was they avoided a postseason ban. I think they've got a team good enough to compete, so they really want to make sure they're there. It can hurt your recruiting for years. So they've been charged $8 million to the athletic department to get this over with. Chad. Why can't they pay the players again? Well, first of all, uh, that $8 million they're paying is way less than what Jeremy Pruitt's buyout would have been if they couldn't have fired him for cause. Accurate. So they they told on themselves, and I mean, this this is a- absolutely genius. It, if I'm being perfectly honest, I, I hate, I mean, couldn't have happened to a better school. <laughs> but they, they get out of Jeremy Pruitt, you know, just dig up the most basic dirt on him. And it turns out, the, like, you have people for this. You have people who are not 
affiliated with the program for this, but the head coach is handing out cash in McDonald's bags. No, in like his, the in head his defense, co- like, Chad, in his defense, he had people, it was just his wife. Like, I, I know how the system worked at Georgia back in the day, and, you know, Mark Rick was not involved in that, and I, I can tell some of those stories with the names offline. Um, but it was not anybody that was even remotely affiliated with the coaching staff that was uh, delivering the bag, if you will. So, no, Chad, the Jeremy, no, Chad. I, the Jeremy I, I, Pruitt. I you a question. Okay. Did you hear about Jeremy Pruitt's reasoning for doing this? Um, refresh my memory for the uh, for the listeners out there. He claims that he was doing this to be of service during the summer of George Floyd. Oh boy. Okay. Yeah. I had not, I, I had not um, seen that level. <laughs> Good God. <laughs> it's, this is my, like, there's a lot of hilarious and civil stories out there. This is, might be like, this may have cracked my top five. Just off of the strength of that lie alone. Like, that's such a good lie. That's such a stupid, useless lie. What a useless lie! I mean, speaking of guys who are going to turn up at Texas A&M. Oh, my God. I can't wait. He'll be there any any day now. Any day now. Uh, we talked about this earlier. Uh, NIL money getting moved more freely, moved more legally. Two across-the-aisle shitheads have come together and given us a bill they want passed about national NIL laws. One, guys, when we talk about horses that are out of barns, cannot get them back into barns. Two, the two people involved are Joe Manchin and Tommy Tuberville. I could yell about Joe Manchin. Where where do I know that name from? 45 minutes. I'm going to focus on Tommy Tuberville because this is a sports podcast. Chad, did you know that Tommy Tuberville has fallen for not one, not two, but three separate Ponzi schemes? I did know that. Um, I know that he just uh, straight up left a recruiting dinner at Texas Tech to take the Cincinnati job where he famously (laughs) hit rock bottom and uh, Cincinnati's next coach took them to the college football playoff from the AAC. And I, I mean, everything that Tuberville does in Congress is following for a Ponzi scheme. I there's, mean, you know, no one, just... there's no one in charge of our Marines right now because of Tommy Tuberville. And he wants yes. kids to be forced to stay in a school for three years once they commit unless a head coach or their position coach leaves. Chad Floyd, what do we know about scholarships? They're famously one-year deals. What oh man, and, a and, miraculous and, piece of shit. <laughs> and what do we know about coaches and their freedom of movement? Case in point, Tommy Tuberville. They tend to move around. Sometimes during a recruiting dinner. <laughs> okay, is this all setting up for Tommy Tuberville to leave Congress in the middle of the night and take the Liberty job uh, once Jamie Chadwell, you know, wins like eight games there? It's so funny that you remembered the first the name of the Liberty coach. You're you're, you're broken. I love that about you. Um, hey man, you know I, I 
I, I like a good uh, next wave offense, and it's kind of been seared into my brain by other uh, college football podcasts to the extent that they exist. And, you know, if I could burn one program to the ground, it is no longer Florida or Auburn or Alabama or even NC State if I go to, you know, my ACC issues. Um, it's Liberty because just, man, fuck Liberty. I also love that Florida and Auburn have largely burned their own homes. Like we're like, I would burn it down, but what's the point now? Yeah, and Billy Napier's gonna go like five and seven this year, and Florida's just gonna start their cycle all over again. No, I mean, they're, they're, they're don't say it out at, loud. Everyone thinks they're gonna be good, and I can't break it to them. Oh, who who are these people? For, I mean, Florida fans think they're gonna be good. Yeah, I, I, I hate to jump you around, but who are these people? They're, they're playing at Utah in week one. That is a bad way to live, man. They're going to get punched in the face from week one to week 12. Like, it's just so funny to me. Oh. oh, man. All right, so lastly, I want to talk about the – like, yes, the, the Pruitt thing moves in the top three. But by God, my new number one favorite stupid NCAA thing. Michigan man Jim Harbaugh is currently negotiating four-game suspension with the NCAA. Why is he negotiating that? Is it for violating rules? Actually not. It's for violating those rules and then fucking lying about it. What do you mean? Glad you asked, invisible person. So, Jim Harbaugh was cited for taking some recruits out for breakfast and paying for their breakfast. He then said, I was never at that breakfast. The NCAA said, motherfucker, we asked them. They said you were there. He said, how did I know it was me? They all remembered you ordered a cheeseburger. Jim Harbaugh is going to lose four game checks because of a breakfast cheeseburger. Chad? This is the biggest nothing burger of a scandal. (laughs) I have ever witnessed he was like he he paid on his uh michigan like company card didn't he yeah yeah so he was clearly there it was like he signed the damn receipt for the thing and he ate a cheeseburger at like eight in the morning like this could not be in any way shape or form more jim harbaugh more stupid ass big ten you know (laughs) weird uh, you know, we, we abide by every rule, and I would never be caught dead giving impermissible benefits, and it's fucking hilarious because it was like a $7 cheeseburger. And also, if the place has a dish named after you, you should probably just kind of have an account there to where, I don't know, maybe it's on a comp tab, maybe it gets charged monthly to uh, the athletic administration. But just a restaurant on retainer. Yeah, but maybe you don't use the athletic association's um, debit card really for any purpose ever, but especially to order cheeseburgers on a recruiting trip. It's that it, that this is the absolute stupidest, funniest thing. Um, and I mean, Michigan's really going to pay for it because you know as as we have made the jokes of, and they're not jokes, it's uh, truth. The Big Ten is a Ponzi scheme. So let me read off the games that uh, Jim Harbaugh will be missing. Home game, East Carolina University. Home game, UNLV. Home game, Bowling Green. Home game, Rutgers. Um, 
Yeah, they're they're opening with three non-cons against teams that don't have a pulse, and then Rutgers. So there's you know the Big Ten. What a Ponzi scheme. So so Michigan Michigan will be getting uh, first place votes in the college football polls. It will be infuriating because. You know, when Harbaugh returns, they go on the road to Nebraska and Minnesota. Then they play Indiana and at Michigan State before their bye game or bye week. Then Purdue. And then their season starts in on November 11th at Penn State. Like, literally, they have a nine-game preseason. So, like, you and I figured out this was a Ponzi scheme a couple years ago. Like, everyone was like, oh, you guys are kidding. Like, no. It's, we're not, no. There's, we're not laughing. This is true. No, there, there are three teams that are going to be propped up by their schedule. It's usually Michigan, Ohio State, and then one of Penn State or Wisconsin or Iowa. Got the, the Iowa number two year, man. That was oh, the man. favorite. That's, that was it. That was the smoking gun. That was it. It was like, oh, this, this argument's over. I'm right. <laughs> I'm done. Oh, man. That, that, that one, like, I'm, I'm actually kind of mad thinking about that. Yet again it's here. In, it's infuriating. Um, I mean, Penn State plays Iowa in week four, but that's like, you know, so at least one of those teams will drop to like eighth in the polls. It's, it's, but man, and the like, thing is, I have to go, to, I go to the Midwest once a year, every year in September. I don't know if I'm making it this year, but it always ends up with like us watching college football at the end of the day, Saturday after golfing. And I'm always like, can we, can we turn on some good football? Can we, this is, this is mm, this is not, but it's close, yeah. Because both these teams are like super mid. Can we? Yeah, can but, we watch because anything Purdue, else? because Purdue's twelve hundred wide, twelve hundred yard receiver runs like a four eight. <laughs> <laughs> I and I'm sure there are some Big Ten fans out there who are charming, wonderful, enlightened people, but I don't think you like football. <laughs> I just think you like wearing colors and going outside. Like Ohio State fans. <laughs> Who, I mean, you're just sweater wearing fascists, but you are football fans because your team is essentially an SEC school trapped in Ohio. Uh, everyone else, I got nothing for you, man. I'm sorry, oh. I've done my best. And and it's been a while since we've gotten on this subject, but when they signed their new TV deal, do you remember what the controversy was in like April? That Big Ten teams might have to play home games in November at night. The horrors, Palmer. I mean, for for all of the uh, talk, and, and I've got some Big Ten friends as well, and they always talk about, oh well, you know, Southern teams don't go up and play in the elements of the Midwest. Fucker, you're not playing in the elements of the Midwest if every game's kicking off before two. And also, let's make something very clear: snow and shit. It's not football weather. You don't have a bunch. You don't have a slew of players in the draft every year who came out of North Dakota. It's Florida, it's Georgia, it's Texas, it's California. It's a bunch of states with a bunch of land and a bunch of sun. So, like, when people say, oh, this is real football weather, no. Every player you know hates that shit. Every one of them. The ones who don't are liars. Yeah, it looks pretty on TV, but uh, it is very much not amenable to the aesthetic or the actual on-the-field quality of the game. But but it is fun to, you know, watch players uh, slip around at the Sun Bowl when, you know, it's 80 degrees one day and 20 the next. Like, everybody has their team. But it's not good. I mean, it's not good for football. 
not and it's not there. quality football because Iowa beat Minnesota ten to six and you know secured their bid to the Cotton Bowl. Like close ugh, does not God. mean good. This has been an amazing testament to football. Chad Floyd, if you guys listen to anything tonight this week, I hope you listen to this. Georgia, good. Florida, bad. The rest of the SEC, kind of mid, not going to lie. But it's going to be an exciting season. Chad, tell everyone where they can find. Are you doing writing and talking this this, this, this fall? Um, not as of right now. I am uh, I am employed only by my uh, day job. But occasionally, I, I log into X. Yeah. Maybe once a week, and and we'll just throw some random thoughts in there at Chad underscore Floyd. Um, if if you want to have me on and talk some shit, I will talk some shit. But that's probably about the only public facing uh, college football thing that I will be doing. We'll see how much uh, we'll see how much shit we can talk because I think that uh, for the third straight year we're gonna have a very fun, 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 fun Georgia season. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Chad, for being on. That is day two of podcast week. Roll on tomorrow. Day three, what's it going to be? It's a surprise. You'll see it. See you guys there. Uh, That was your show. There is no outro. See you guys tomorrow.